Welcome to the Close Knit Podcast, a podcast that aims to hold space for conversation about the ways we use fiber to process life and world events. I'm your host, Ani Lee. My interest in fiber goes back to childhood, when I'd pore over bedding catalogs and obsess over fiber content and thread count. My mother, bless her, taught me to knit at age 10, and I've fallen increasingly in love with all things fiber ever since. I started the Close Knit Podcast in 2016, and I've had the pleasure and privilege of speaking to over 50 incredible people since then. On this podcast, you'll hear from all kinds of folks who share a love of fibers, from full-time practicing artists to those whose main practice is mending their garments. I'm interested in hearing and sharing as many people's stories and experiences with fiber as I possibly can, because I believe each of these unique stories is powerful and teaches us more about how humans use fiber to make sense of the world around us. This podcast is supported by a very special community on Patreon. Pledging just $5 a month there helps me keep Close-Knit up and running by covering hosting and streaming costs and paying my wonderful editor. I cannot thank you all enough for your support, as it's what enables me to sustainably continue this work. So if you've ever enjoyed an episode, please consider pledging your support at patreon.com slash closeknit. That's www.patreon.com slash closeknit. Hey, it's Ani of Close Knit, and I am here with two special guests today, Masejo Morgan and Stella Hertantio of Conscious. Masejo is a sustainable fashion advocate residing in the suburbs of Cape Town, currently doing her postgrad in sustainable development while working as a creative strategist for a local South African brand called Good, Good, Good. This may change by the time this episode is out since she's finding it difficult to balance the two and have a personal life. She's terrible at following instructions, whether it's a recipe or a design pattern. At the end of last year, Stella completed her BA in multimedia journalism, and she is currently doing her postgraduate diploma at the Sustainability Institute in Cape Town. Stella is a slow living enthusiast and a lover of low impact fashion. She is passionate about encouraging an approach to sustainability that is inclusive, accessible, fun, and locally centered as we try to figure out how to create a regenerative future. When she's not in front of her laptop doing uni work, you'll probably find her reading, writing, illustrating, or baking, cooking. A dip in the ocean or a walk in the mountains are the two things that bring her the most peace. At the beginning of 2020, Masejo and Stella created an online platform together called Conscious. They created Conscious because they wanted to create an online community where knowledge, ideas, and resources around sustainable living, especially in a local context, could be shared. They see Conscious as a space to introduce people to sustainable living and apply it to their lives in a way that's sustainable to them. Their focus is on telling and sharing African stories and decolonizing the current sustainability narrative. They share interviews with lots of change-making people, resource-based articles that inspire positive action and spark thought in their sustainability school section, wish lists, mood boards, musing, and tips and tricks that they have learned along the way. They talk loads about personal style and slow fashion, but also sprinkle in content that discusses other aspects of sustainability. Stella Masejo, I'm so glad to have you here today. Hi. Hello. Hi. Thank you for having us. So, so <laughs> stoked. I'm, I'm excited about recording with the three of us. I haven't done like a three-person recording in probably two or three years. And this is my very first over Zoom and over such a long distance between us, South Africa to Oakland. <laughs> I hope it works out. 
<laughs> blaming them to troubleshoot. I know, me too. I'm my fingers are crossed here. I'm like, we're gonna do our best here. I'd love to know where each of you are. You know, you know, you're both calling in from different spots. You're both roughly in the Cape Town area. But um, Stella, can you tell me where you are? Yes. So I am currently in the spare room of my home. I still live with my mom and my sister, and I stay in a suburb. Yeah, in Cape Town. Um, it's very suburban. And my mom says that it's for newlyweds and nearly deads. So it has a lot of older people, a lot of like retirement villages, and then a lot of younger couples and a lot of schools. So I've lived here most of my life. I went to primary school and high school here, and I still live here to this day. And yeah, I'm just tucked away in the back room. It's um, Sunday evening, and that's kind of where I'm at. I love it. That uh, the newlywed, nearly dead thing is uh, also described, describes a place that I was close to where I grew up. And I, it's just, it's so accurate. Like it's just so, so accurate and so, so bleak, but so funny. Well, actually I, I used to, when I was a bit younger in my early teenage years, really disliked that it was so much like that. And as right. I've gotten older, I've started loving suburbia more and more. So <laughs> I guess it's growing on me. Yeah. I'm going to have to talk to you both about that. I love, I love to hear that. Um, and Maseho, where are you calling in from? I am also in a suburban area, um, but like more down south than Stella is. Stella's like, I, I guess it would be considered like southern suburbs, but then mine is like beyond there. And it's also, I guess, um, I have always described it as like a place where old people go to die. Um, but it's, it's near like the beach so it's like a seaside sort of area it's really beautiful I also like had a similar experience to Stella where I used to really like I'd always wanted to move closer to the city mall or like the CBD in Cape Town um, or like uh, I wanted to move to Tokyo and then I guess like after coming back from Japan I grew to love the space and like the peace that it's given me and also I, I love the fact that there are so many old people uh, mainly because the thrift stores have all of their clothes which yeah. is maybe a bit morbid but <laughs> <laughs> but it's so true it's so true Really good. <laughs> no, I feel like someone I used to follow a long time ago who like got me into sort of the like DIY, you know, thrifting kind of culture on the internet. I think it was Geneva Vanderzile, who is like an Australian woman. Anyway, this person aside, I'm pretty sure she what she had written down was like heaven's waiting, waiting gates or waiting room or something, like heaven's waiting room <laughs> about the <laughs> suburbs where she found like particularly good thrifting. And yeah, that's really real. I mean, we talk about, I feel like one of the things that comes up when you think about thrifting is sort of like, okay, well, where do you go to find things that you actually want to wear and that have, have also not been picked over by like every other young, cool person, <laughs> like, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It definitely is. Like, I think for me has been this area, although I have noticed like there's a lot of like younger people moving the side I think because they realized how cheap rent is and so the I have seen a lot more younger people in the charity stores than I used to when I was growing up it used to be just me and like a whole bunch of domestic workers Mm, that's interesting so I mean I guess I'm curious about each of your sort of thrifting histories too because I think that that 
it depends on where you are in the world, whether it has like a specific context or like a specific sort of um, connotation that thrifting has. I think when we were, at least in the US, when I was younger, it was like sort of less cool. And now it's sort of okay. You know, it sort of feels like it's been normalized to be in a thrift store and thrift, not only because it's financially accessible, but because it's like good for the planet, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, I think my thing kind of started, it wasn't popular, but it wasn't uncool. And I kind of just started thrifting because one, it was financially accessible, but also it just fitted with my style. And I think when I started thrifting, I was only going to markets and things like that. And I only really got into sort of like charity shop thrifting a bit later, actually, I think around the time that I met Masejo. So yeah, that's kind of where I started. Mm. And Masejo, it sounds like maybe it goes farther back for you, like into your childhood. Yeah, my mom has always been like a thrifter. I guess she's from Japan and there like the secondhand market has always been really big, but also the clothing has, it's not really ever been, I don't know, the, I feel like the secondhand clothing there kind of mainly looks like it's new. Like it's really well looked after mm. oftentimes and, and there's not as much as a stigma there. I think there is like a little bit in terms of the fact that it is secondhand. But yeah, she grew up with a father who had grown up or had lived through World War Two, and he was very like frugal. And I guess she like inherited that way of thinking. Yeah. And when she was younger, she disliked it, but she learned to like it. And I think that through that she sort of instilled that like thriftiness with me and my brother and so we've always had like mainly secondhand clothing she's been okay with us buying like any new clothes but I think when I was in high school I started to realize that like the clothes that were hers or the ones that we had like gotten from a charity store were the ones that people would like compliment the most and so I think that that's like <laughs> where my sort of love for thrifting started I wanted to be like Zoe Kravitz and she mainly wore thrifted clothing I think so I yes. became like really into thrifting because of I love that. her <laughs> yeah 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 I, I just really I also just remembered that um I think maybe the first encounter I had with sort of vintage and secondhand clothes was when I was very young maybe six or seven and for one of my birthdays, my mom gifted my sister and I a dress-up box where she had like gone to different charity stores or vintage stores and gotten items like gloves and dresses and things that we could like dress up in when we were little, when we felt like it. Um, and I like thinking back on it, I think that's my first memory with it. But also every year on my birthday, the only place I wanted to go was this antique arcade that we have in the Cape Town like city center. And for some reason, like that was always my place of choice. And there was always just trinkets and things to look at. So I think, yeah, before thrifting, that was kind of like an entry point to second hand or like pre-loved or vintage things. But yeah, thrifting as a practice didn't come so much later on. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, that's adorable. The dress up box thing is just so, so cute. Like you with these little gloves and stuff. Um, but I I feel like there is an interesting, something that, that resonated that Masejo said was around like a parent who lived through 
you know, a parent or a grandparent who had lived through World War II and, you know, generationally inheriting this, this sense of, of lack and this sense of needing to be really, really thrifty and really precious with materials. And also this kind of like tension, especially in our parents' generation of like not wanting to do that originally because it was like what they'd grown up with and it felt really restrictive, but also having had that being like, you know, they were sort of just really raised with it. So they were really steeped in that sort of mindset. And eventually I think a lot of times they come around to the idea that like, oh yeah, this actually does make a lot of sense. And there is a lot of, there's already a lot of beautiful things out in the world. Why can't I, you know, make a new life for them or use them? And I feel like it's interesting to hear the different ways that people sort of inherit those, those norms from their families and sort of like push back against them as well. Yeah. I think that it's interesting to see, I feel like our parents' generation and and how there is almost like two sides like you either have parents that kind of go into that sort of thriftiness um and uh like the kind of cherishing old um things and then you have like parents who go on the other side of the spectrum who just want like this I guess um idea capitalist idea of affluence and just like buying new tech all the time and like the newest car it was like yeah (laughs) I feel like when I was growing up a lot of my friends because I went to like a private school um we were all like upper middle class or like upper class and and it was just interesting to see the different ways like our houses looked and it wasn't that like we maybe were in different like economic brackets that's why we had different houses was mainly because of like how our parents felt about like money. It was like either they wanted to really show it off um, or like my house, everybody always thought it was like, I don't know, like we're scrapping things together, but that wasn't necessarily like the case in terms of like, it, it wasn't like we were lacking. It was just that my parents preferred it that way. Like, the mm-hmm. style I don't know yeah yeah and I, I think there's my my parents are a bit like this as well with I think my father really kind of internalized like a, a moralistic thing around um environmentalism like that it was the, he kind of really firmly started to believe that like it was the right thing to do so that sort of anchored it was gave him an anchoring point to like compost and garden and hang clothing on a line and like you know dry clothes on a clothesline things like that that sort of like just like weren't the norm where I grew up and like you say like a lot of people had fancier houses but we always had like our clothesline out the front that people were like ew that's ugly and my dad was like well it's good for the environment you know that kind of a thing yeah no I think I relate to that a lot so I had the same I mean I've grown up with like chickens in my garden and um, always having a veggie garden and stuff about my parents have been really into that stuff and it's it's funny because um people always ask me like when did like my environmentalist sort of way of thinking start and I can't like say when because it's kind of just something I've grown up around I guess I've only like consciously chosen to like advocate for it like in like 2015 or 16 so like that I always like say like it's I don't know when it started I just know like when I consciously started like believing that this is the way that I should live yeah that resonates for me as well where there's just sort of when you grow up steeped in this these ideals it's like 
you just, I mean, you don't know, like oftentimes I would bring things to school. My there's like a, I don't even know what this company does, but my dad needed to use some of their parts for his work when I was growing up. And he used to keep the bags, like the Ziploc bags that they came in. The company is called McMaster car. I don't like, I literally don't even know what they do, but he would keep those and we would like wash them out. And I would like bring my sandwiches to school in my McMaster car bags. And I didn't realize that that was like, not what other people did until, you know, I was at an age where other kids were conscious of things and self I think that that there's like a level of self-consciousness that we sort of develop in school years where other kids start to be like, well, that's weird. I didn't see, we don't do that. That's strange. Why are you doing that? Like this kind of, you only become conscious of it when other kids tell you that it's like, quote unquote, weird, you know? Yeah, definitely. I feel like that is been my experience. But also just being like looking different because my school is majority white. So like, mm. like that was like an added benefit, I guess. But I feel like in the end, like I wouldn't be who I am without that. So and I'm glad. And it's, it's interesting because I feel like um, at the beginning, like when I started sharing like that I was thrifting a lot and like why I was doing it people like even friends would sort of be like "Ah, like (laughs) you're acting like an influencer when you're not because I guess it's like why would anybody be interested in like (laughs) what you're doing but then it's just funny because now like a lot of them have been influenced into being more sustainable or like slow in the way that they consume fashion and I'm like that was the reason why I did it (laughs) well I think that this might this might be you know this is sort of something that I feel like is embodied in in conscious and is embodied in the way that you and Stella both uh approach how you exist in the world and on the internet which is sort of like just doing and then sort of by osmosis people end up people around you end up kind of starting to take on some of those habits or seeing some of the ways that you have been seeing the world. And I feel like there's, you know, it's, it's an interesting, it's interesting language that we use, right. To be like influenced or to influence other people. Cause we think of it as being a quote unquote influencer on the internet, but like the truth is things influence us all the time and the people directly around us influence us and our decisions and our ways of being and our, the ways we dress, you know, like our local context influence us so much, but like having access to, you know, people all across the world and on through the internet and through Instagram and stuff, it's like this different level of influencing. But um, I guess I would really love to talk with you both about sort of about conscious and this project that you work on together. And I know I was, you know, doing a little reading about where you both have been at for this year. You know, 2021 is like, such an interesting year and so different depending on where you are in the world with regard to how you're experiencing the pandemic and what stage of the pandemic you're in and all of these different things. And, you know, I read something that I think that Stella Stella might have written down that sort of said, like embracing the curiosity of the unknown, that maybe you, you both are in this stage of like, where is conscious going? What are we doing with this platform? Where, where do we go from here? And I kind of like selfishly want to ask you both about this because I feel similarly. I feel like I'm in this spot of like, well, where, what now? Like, where do I go and what, how do I want this to exist? Um, and I guess I would just be curious to sort of ask you both 
we both your kind of perspective around that. And I, Stella, do you want do you want to speak to that? Yeah, I can try. I don't think we have concrete answers yet, and it's totally somewhat yeah. difficult to speak about in a way if that makes sense. Yeah, totally fine. I I'm here for very half baked ideas, <laughs> okay. and, and and appreciate you being willing to be vulnerable about it. Of course. So I think the first thing is to say that we started conscious at the beginning of 2020 before like the world kind of got turned upside down and the year took a different turn so the ideas that we started conscious with we didn't really get to follow through on many of them and so conscious sort of changed from our initial inception of it just naturally as we adjusted to 2020 and all of the lockdowns and restrictions that were placed on yeah just what we could do in the year so our initial idea of conscious had already shifted and then I think This year we came into the second year of conscious and it's an interesting sort of juncture in both of our lives in general. Like we both started up postgrads and we're doing our postgrads at the same place. Uh, But I think it's just a different chapter in our lives and we didn't really sort of, I guess, really think about how that might influence conscious and what that would mean for conscious and its continuity. And I think we're finally like now at the juncture where we're like, okay, (laughs) we need to sort of figure out how this chapter in our lives is going to, yeah, play with conscious or like what we want conscious to become. And because things have shifted so much since we started it and since our initial ideas of what we wanted it to be, how do we reconcile that and how do we move forward with curiosity, but also not feel like too attached to what we wanted it to be in the beginning. And um, I think we've both always wanted conscious to be more than just the two of us like we've always spoken about that and it finally feels like maybe it's time for that to become a reality in some kind of way we're just not sure like what form it's going to take but I think we're just in a season of growing pains or growing like lessons or whatever um and figuring out what we want to do next yeah I don't know if I said that very well no that's please add (laughs) yeah and we'd love to hear Maseho's thoughts too yeah that was brilliant no I think I mean Stella like you mainly covered everything I think one of the things is that there was like spaces that we wanted conscious to fill in especially the South African um like sort of slow fashion space and we feel like now in some ways like they have been filled um and we're really like happy about that it wasn't meant to be that like conscious was like thing that like nobody else could do or anything like that and we love that like we see more and more people, um, I guess, creating spaces. Um, but uh, yeah, I guess like moving forward, um, I, I was like thinking about it as uh, Stella, you were talking, like um, we went away on a trip together to Grayton and we were, and then we like talked about like whether we were gonna stop conscious at the end of 2020 or if we were gonna continue with it. Um, while studying and we had all of these like ideas of like what we were going to do instead and this year once again has like thrown so many curveballs that like it's just it's funny because it's not the same as like the pandemic where you suddenly couldn't like do anything um or go outside and meet and stuff but but it still feels like we don't have like as much time or at least for me, I feel like I don't have as much time for conscious or that I don't really know what I want conscious to be like, like 
separately from other things that we do. I think one thing was that I want that conscious to be a space that is like a shared space between me and Stella and other people, but also not like a space where we're repeating the same content that we put on our own separate Instagram pages. Cause I think that it should be a space that adds something new to the conversation. Right. I think it's also interesting because we never saw well, yeah, we never really saw it as it becoming like our careers or a right. business or anything like that. So I think it's an interesting juncture to be at because we're considering like the longevity of it and what we want it to become. But it's we're also in a space in our lives where we're trying to figure out what we want to do with us, like lives career wise and how that might fit into it. And yeah, I think at a point, a passion project, you always have to sort of reflect on it and reevaluate how it fits into your life and what you want to put into it um, and how much time you have to put into it and like Maseko was saying we also <laughs> I think we had ideas about our postgrad that haven't turned out to be true and we wanted to involve conscious and like sort of extend the information we were learning in our postgrad onto conscious to make it more accessible but that hasn't really been like the reality of our experience um, in our postgrad so yeah I think like Maseko said <laughs> although it's not the same curves for Walls of 2020, it has been curveballs in a different way. Yeah, totally. I'm uh, so much of what you're saying. I, like no one can see me nodding, but I'm nodding a lot just because that really resonates with the kind of the, the fact that you have clarity around like this isn't, you know, going to be your day job or the thing that you make money off of. And there just sort of isn't, I don't know, maybe there isn't a rule book for anything. And that's what I'm kind of like that's when I've just been noodling over for a while. But I feel like on the internet, at least, there's sort of a little bit of a rule book for like how to turn your hustle into your day job or like how to turn your passion into your side hustle. You know, this just this kind of um, rhetoric around everything you do needing to be monetized and everything that's sort of worth doing being like your full-time career or something. And And there's a lot of information out there. There's a lot of people speaking to like, this is how you market so that you can do that. And this is how you like get people through your funnel and yada, yada. You know, I clearly don't read that stuff because I'm not speaking to it very well. But what I mean is that like, I really appreciate that you both are being intentional and being thoughtful around like, okay, where do we want to go with this? And how do you fit something that is a passion project into a life that's very full, you know? And into a life where you are, you have question marks open in terms of like, well, what does my postgrad degree mean? And what will I do with that afterwards, maybe? Or how do I want to show up on the internet and in person? And, and what does that look like? And is it sustainable from a just literally from like a human bodily function perspective of like, you need to rest too, you know, I, I think these are these are conversations I'm, I'm really appreciating having with people because I think that that's, that's something I'm feeling heavily too right now, which is just like the podcast isn't my day job and it never will be. I don't want it to be like, that's the beauty of these conversations is that like, I don't need to make money off of them. I don't need to like go, you know, knocking on doors of sponsors to make sure that I have enough that month or whatever. It's just a, it's just a wonderful way for me to get to connect with people around the world who share an interest in fiber and in the, you know, sustainability. And I feel like 
it's such a funny one to try to have with people because the assumption often is just that like, this is me trying to make a go of this professionally. I don't know if if you both run into that too, or when you like explain what you're doing to somebody, they just sort of immediately assume that this is going to be your day job and that's your goal with it or something. 100%. I think that like I resonate or I feel that we both probably resonate with what you just said. I mean, I think even like before we um, started Conscious, when we were just talking about it, people were talking to us about like how we could like, um, I guess, like present it to funders and like get investments into it. (laughs) It's like, oh, that's not like what we're really going for but like thank you for like offering to like help us understand like that sort of I guess investment market but yeah like it was never meant to be this I guess like our job jobs and definitely like the perk for us is to be able to talk to people like oftentimes it's just people we like really love on the internet and then we reach out to them because we want to start a friendship. But, <laughs> so. It resonates so hard for me. That is like literally why I started the podcast. I was like, I just want friends. Yeah, so it's like really like, I mean, and then like it's come, come to a point where we even like just interview our friends and it's like, because we think they're doing interesting stuff anyway. But yeah, I think, uh, I think that is one of the things. Like maybe if we were thinking of making it our full-time jobs, then we'd have like a, we'd be like, okay, like, this is how much time I'm going to, like, dedicate to this and, like, making sure that I have, like, new content for it or whatever. But because it's not like that, it's a little bit more difficult, like, figuring out where it fits in without having a mental breakdown. And I think that's also why we, well, yeah, I think for both of us, appreciate this conversation in this podcast because recently when people have asked us about conscious or we have to speak about it for an interview or an article or something, we felt a little bit uncomfortable because there's always kind of this underlying assumption of longevity and like a very long-term vision, which, yeah, I think we don't have because it's an ever-evolving process and because we never saw it as something that would become our whole lives or our whole day jobs or anything like that Um, we just kind of have enjoyed the connections and engagements that we've been having so far and being able to share that with others but yeah the pressure of longevity is quite a real one like you were saying it seems like everybody a lot of people on the internet even if it's if they don't say it kind of want to make it their full-time job and I guess we haven't really felt that way about it which has been interesting yeah I really appreciate you both speaking to this because I feel like most of the people I talk to are at some point in their lives or careers or whatever, trying to make this their full-time thing, whether it's super vocal or not. And it's, I, what you just brought up about longevity um, reminds me of a conversation that I had with a friend. She brought me on her podcast and I was like, oh God, what am I going to say on your podcast? I feel so like unmoored and so confused right now. And I was sort of talking with her about longevity of like, hmm, there's a part of me that like wants to produce the close-knit podcast into my like 60s and just sort of be having these conversations on a semi-regular basis with people who are interesting around the world. And then she brought up what I think is a a concept called like sunsetting, which she was basically saying like one of the one of the kind of problems that we have with like the way that corporations run throughout the world, I guess, is like 
that they don't consider the end of life, right? Like we don't consider the sunsetting phase. We don't consider how something's going to like finish and how like that's actually a really important part of like a product life cycle or just the life cycle of any creative project that you're working on. And something about her her kind of verbalizing that for me made me be like, oh, right. It's okay for something to not like, even though I maybe thought I wanted to do it forever, maybe I can change my mind or maybe the form of the thing can sh- can change or maybe it's actually worth like, like giving it a name. Okay. Like this is the sunset phase of whatever project this is. And, and this is how that's going to look. And here's how I want to tie it off. And it's just, I don't know how to give that space without being super, super scared. <laughs> it just feels really scary to be like, well, then what? If this thing's done, then then what? You know? Yeah, I really like that idea of the sunsetting phase. Cause I think as many things in life, not everything that's worth it always beautiful or ha- like everything has a season and sometimes the seasons don't last forever. So yeah, I like that idea a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Seasons seasons resonate too, because I, I've been noticing that uh I really want to stop doing anything basically during the winter, <laughs> which I think we were talking a little bit about before this, because you all are in uh, the middle of your winter while we're kind of in the middle of our summer, which I don't, you know, in the Bay area is not actually all that warm anyway, but it's still, we have longer days, which I appreciate. But in winter, I'm just like, I'm, I'm starting to kind of give myself the space to like take those two months off of, you know, at least releasing podcast episodes, like two months is not the whole winter season, but that's how long I think of (laughs) taking a break or whatever. But it's that kind of seasonality of just like, I don't, I don't have any creative output right now. Like I just, I'm really tired and cold. I just like, don't have anything to say. (laughs) Yes. I can resonate. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I, I guess I've been feeling like, you know, I, I got off Instagram recently, which was, I don't know, a sort of a long time coming. And I, I've been thinking about how, like part of what was sort of not working for me about Instagram was just like the the perpetual creative output that people have and it's wonderful like i'm so glad that people have creative energy and i'm i'm glad that people share it with the world but in particular in sort of like the making community within you know the broader slow fashion sustainable fashion movement or online community there can be this real like this this pace that just feels like sort of electric but also very scary because it's like people are just like making an address I made another dress and <laughs> making another thing and I'm like how are you making all this stuff and also why are you making all of this stuff like there's just like a point where it just feels like too much yeah no definitely I feel like this is something actually Stella and I have talked about in on a different level but it's like the amount that the slow fashion space and like the people within it produce (laughs) is sometimes not like I don't know it's like the amount people consume and produce is not really like in alignment with the things that people are preaching and it's like how many keep cups do you need or like why are you creating this many like I mean obviously like when people make DIY projects and stuff like that I I think it's beautiful and and I do love to see them but it's also like they're like producing as much as somebody who was like in a different like influencer space is like producing content and I understand like this whole idea of like feeling the need to keep up 
but it's also like I I don't know it's it's just it's it's actually overwhelming <laughs> if I like think about it. Totally. I mean, it's part of like when I come, when I get on Instagram to do my research for the podcast and I, I go back on Masejo's um, page and see you just like dancing in your clothes. I'm like, yes, thank you. Someone just like existing in their body and like Stella's beautiful illustrations. I just sort of feel like I feel really similarly about this where it's like, a lot of the way in which that that vehicle of Instagram requires you to engage is like completely out of alignment with what all of us actually want. Like, I know that why we're all there, I think probably why we're all there is like, we want to connect with each other. Like, I think that that is the core need that Instagram is meeting and why people stay on it, you know, but it's um, at the end of the day, doing it in this way that like feels super, like just really hyper. It's like really, it's, it's a lot of content. It's like, especially in this, in the groups of people that we're kind of running within where there's, where we're really trying to think a lot about like, do I need this thing? Could I make this thing? Like, yeah. How many keep cups? I was like really giggling on my muted microphone over here while you said, how many keep cups do you actually need? Because like, I have a keep cup from my work with like a work logo on it that I literally never use. I'm like, oh, why did I get that freaking keep cup? It's just, there's, uh, there's just this sense that it's always a sell at the end of the day, you know? And I, I, like it always has to be about some kind of a sell and even the content that you're producing, not you, but like people are producing that isn't an ad or isn't something that's selling is ultimately in service of priming you so that they can sell you something. I mean, maybe this is a really bleak reading of it, but that's sort of just how it feels to me these days. I agree in a sense. I think for me, the idea of just like a slow fashion or slow moving influencer in a lot of ways feels like a bit of a contradiction when you're doing it as like your full-time thing and it's not like you're trying to make money off it as well and I fully understand financial sustainability and like that's really really important but yeah Masejo and I have talked about this quite a lot before and just the idea of the amount and the intensity that you consume and like the amount of products that you have to accept and all of that just like hyper consumption just at some levels starts to feel like a bit of a contradiction and I think for me, at least, once I realized that I like I have no aspiration to be an influencer or anything like that in the traditional or mainstream sense, you get a, you gain a bit of freedom and you just realize that you can just kind of exist on the internet and connect with people you want to connect with. Right. I don't want to talk down people's careers, but yeah, I guess that's an unfiltered thought. <laughs> well, I I think that that's important, and I agree with you. Like, there's absolutely room for people to be making their careers out of this, and financial sus- sustainability needs to be a part of that conversation. Like, people need to be compensated for the work that they're doing. But I do think that there is sort of maybe like on a structural level, there needs to be sort of a, a reckoning or a renegotiation of like how that looks exactly. Like, there's. I totally, yeah, definitely not knocking anybody who's doing this because I'm, I'm sure it's a ton of work. I mean, I know it's a ton of work just from doing the the little, you know, quote unquote content creation that I have done over the years. I know it's a ton of work, um, but it's, yeah, I mean, it's just really interesting to sort of watch things unfold on the internet, especially this year. I would love to know, I want to know more about just like conscious as it has existed over the last you know it's been around for like over over a year at this point right you you conceptualized of it in early early 2020 pre-pandemic and I would be curious too to find out a little bit more about like what your original vision was for it because I I heard something that really resonated for me um, when you had talked about 
sort of originally envisioning it is maybe like in-person things. And I, I like when I thought about what I was going to do for 2020 with the podcast, I actually specifically was like, I'm going to talk to people in the Bay Area and I'm going to do it in person. And then I got to do one interview in person and then every, you know, I couldn't meet with people for the rest of 2020 and into 2021. So of course that necessarily changed how I, like the lens that I was using to talk to people with, but I'd be curious to hear from you both kind of that inception phase and, and what conscious was originally looking like if if that's still and you know and if any of that still resonates or would be stuff you'd want to do in the future and what sorts of things conscious has done over the year over this last year because I know there's been a lot you produce you both produce a lot of content and there's like really beautiful you know videos of the two of you talking about um, objects like thrifted objects that have significance to you or, you know, these sustain the sustainability school and sort of these resources and things. I'd be really curious just to hear more about Conscious as it's been over the last year or so. The initial idea for Conscious was to be this space where we would hold like panels in person and like clothing swaps. I used to do like clothing swaps with some friends and then um, so we were going to kind of continue that with Conscious and like really create a space for like in-person conversations to happen. And then another part was that we wanted to have almost like, uh, we call it eye candy, um, I think kind of inspired by Rookie uh, Mag, which is RIP. Um, but uh, <laughs> I loved like when I, growing up, like I would um, – come home from yeah. school really excited to be able to see a new article on rookie um but i love that they had these like um sort of i guess like uh visual editorials i don't know if they're called editorials but visual stories um that were created like in not in a very like high fashion way but it was like people just like expressing themselves and so i guess like ours was also meant to be this like space for like inspiring um people and like having like kind of we did like <laughs> we shut too and then I don't think we really did anything after that because of the pandemic but it was we did one that was like about like it was more monochrome outfits and like wearing things to show like duality of seasons like that like, you don't have to wear your summer dress only in summer it can be a winter thing you just have to layer it and then the other one was soft girl summer yes and that was <laughs> <laughs> um and uh I, I miss that but we like went and sort of yeah I guess like the we used it was like a lot of pastels a lot of like our own clothes all of the stuff that we would wear was like our own stuff and just like inspire well the idea was to inspire people to use what they already have and and like not have to buy into like I guess trends in the same way like that you can find like I guess your style or like trends within your own closet sometimes or thrifted items and yeah but then I think the pandemic uh, uh obviously we couldn't shoot in person so we did like a few that were online um like over uh facebook messenger like videos we would screenshot 
I want to pause on that because that's super creative. I was like looking at your content the other day and I was like, that is to to shoot a shoot over Facebook Messenger is really cool and creative. I just want to like give you both props for like coming up with the creative pivots that you did during the pandemic because that's hard. Thank you. <laughs> that was my fault. <laughs> She's an amazing like ideas person. It still Thank amazes you. me to this day. If you have any good ideas. I think it was it was like it was good to be challenged by COVID, but in terms of like answering your question about like going back to those initial ideas, I like we're still I mean we're currently in level four lockdown again, which means that we're not like meant to uh gather in large groups. Um restaurants are like closed. Um and so it it doesn't i don't know i i, I don't see like our in person ideas happening in like possibly this year like unless everybody gets vaccinated in this year which is not going to happen um or unlikely so yeah <laughs> the South African yeah. situation is pretty dire. Mm. Yeah, it's so hard to hear that. And it's so hard to it's so hard to talk with other people in different, you know, I mean, obviously America has had its own extremely really bad, really, really bad um go of the pandemic, you know, experience of the pandemic. And it was really interesting talking to a friend of mine in Australia because her experience had just been so different. But then I see, you know, you just, it's hard. It's really hard to see everybody's situations constantly changing with it around the world. And totally, I mean, like the, the thought of, you know, doing anything in person at all before we were able to get vaccinated here was just not possible. Like yesterday I had a clothes swap with like four friends and it was like I like it just felt amazing to have people that I hadn't seen in so long that I you know that I hadn't hugged in so long to be right there that I could actually hug and it just I don't know it still feels kind of surreal it doesn't feel like a real thing that we can do yet but we but we could and it was I just I have been feeling a little bit you know I looking in my closet being like my closet you know and this I really love when people are thinking creatively about like how they can restyle their clothes and ways they they can kind of make their wardrobe work for them and work for the different seasons of their life and literal seasons, but also like, you know, body changes. My body's like changed a lot over the course of the pandemic. And it's, it was really sweet to be able to like get a couple, a couple new items, you know, new to me items from a friend who, who cherished them and was like, Oh, I think you would really like these, you know, like, with no expectation that I would necessarily take them, but this kind of sweetness of being able to be like, Ooh, I have one new pair of pants that I can like now see styling with like a bunch of different things. It actually, I got, (laughs) I got my first pair of jeans in like, uh, probably six or seven years. Cause I kind of just like swore off any, um, structured waistbands (laughs) a long time ago because I just, I like to be able to breathe very deeply and I, I like to be able to like eat a lot of food and always feel like I can just sort of like squish my pants with my body. I'm kind of like rolling my belly right now, but <laughs> I'm excited. I'm like, is this a new me? Like, is there going to be some new Ani that like wears structured pants in the future? I don't know. It's like fun. It's like fun to think about. I think especially because we've been so kind of insular just with respect to like the lockdown situation and quarantines and stuff. It's like, 
I feel like I've had so little kind of like, like, I, I just feel like I'm not out in the world and seeing people's outfits and interacting with them in the way that I normally would. And so I feel like a little bit excited about even the, the opportunity to like try on maybe a slightly different personality with my structured pants or whatever. I don't know. I don't know if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, that's very exciting. <laughs> I think it also reminds me of like a little outfit challenge that we did in the middle of last year. We called it lockdown looks and it was just um like a different theme for every day of the week and we just encouraged people to kind of get dressed up even though we had nowhere to go I think at that stage we were still at the stage where we could all we could do is really like go for a walk I think um and so we were just encouraging that idea of you don't have to have somewhere you know to go to get dressed up and enjoy your clothes and yeah, I think in a way, like Conscious has had a lot of little series that we've run over the past year, even if we, we haven't been like fully aware of it sometimes. Um, like how also our loved clothes last lives. We've had a few conversations with people where we just chat about items in our wardrobes that we've loved and like what the reasons for that is and the story behind them, which is fun. I kind of want to bring that back because I think the whole ethos of conscious is just kind of shifting our emotional relationships to clothing um and that was a really cool like storytelling way to do that um yeah and we also had like a we love little series where we shared instagram accounts and businesses that we liked i guess there's been a few things we've done i mean yeah i feel like i should reflect back at you that you you both produce a lot of work in the world and you make a lot of really cool stuff and you make you make beautiful content and you make really thought provoking things and it's just like always very sweet to see both of your presences. I think like it can feel easy to be like, Oh, well I just do that. You know, it's like when you start making work, it can feel like, Oh, well I just make work. It's whatever. It's no big deal, but it is like a big deal. Like you both have a huge body of work behind you with, you know, whether it's like on your Instagrams or on the conscious website, it's like, there's a ton of work there. And that's like, it's a huge amount of effort. And that's the part I think I, you know, I hear all of us sort of grappling with, with like how much effort can you put into something that, you know, you love, but that like takes a lot of effort. But yeah, I just want to reflect back at you both that like, you should be very proud of the work that you've put into the, into the world and you've made a lot of it in spite of a global pandemic. Thank you. <laughs> that's very sweet. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I kind of, I always forget me too <laughs> have done that much um so many things that like we've done that we should continue doing but yeah conscious has been like a really good space I think in, in some ways it like was also something that helped us stay friends or at least because I I was very like as soon as the pandemic happened or like the lockdown happened I am pretty introverted um, I mean, I think we're both pretty introverted, but I, I like ended up like <laughs> almost like not speaking to anybody um, online even. And and like it was because we had this thing together, I, like we would speak to each other. And then um, like that was like one of our, I guess, my ways of like making sure that I kept in contact was like having conscious to talk about. But and it wasn't like, I don't know because I didn't want to talk to Stella or know how her life was going. I just like 
suddenly was like, oh, I can't see people. So I might as well just not like talk to them at all. I think it's also interesting because we actually, I know a lot of people think we've been friends for a very long time, but we hadn't actually been friends for a very long time before the pandemic arrived. And so last year was actually quite like an important year, I think, in terms of our friendship and like getting to know each other. And so I also agree that not that we wouldn't have been friends outside of conscious, but it kept us like creating and sharing ideas with each other and doing things together in a year that that was very difficult to do, if that makes sense. (laughs) It totally does. And I was just thinking like how sweet it is to have a collaborative project to work on to kind of anchor you both as something you can return to during the pandemic like that. I totally relate to what you're both saying. It's like not, you know, I don't, I don't think anybody's judging anybody around the types of friendships they were able to manage this year and the amount that they were able to manage. Cause it's just like, like, I don't know, as we start to, as, a, as you know, California at least sort of opens up a little bit and I start to see people in person, I'm just like <laughs> fully exhausted by it, like completely exhausted socially. And it's, I think over the pandemic too, it was like, it was, it, it's been, I'm I'm usually a fairly reliable texter. I can text back within about a day normally, but like during the pandemic, I was just like, no, I can't. Like responding to a text is just too painful. This is just way too hard. And so I feel like it makes total sense what you're saying. And it's really, really cool that you both had this this project to anchor on to kind of keep you learning about each other and and keep a, a creative practice, like an like a curious inquiring practice up during the pandemic because I think like that I noticed that I got kind of into clothes making like sewing in a way that I hadn't before and and that felt like it came out of this sort of like need for some sort of curious inquiry of like huh well what can I make with this like piece of you know this, this bedding that I that my partner you know doesn't fit on any of our beds anymore or something like what could I possibly make out of that this like very like hyper local <laughs> as in what's inside my house kind of like practice yes that's amazing I totally agree <laughs> yeah it was an interesting I mean I feel like that's been an important part of my own practice and it sounds like for for both of you as well with just thinking about like what can I do with what I already have but I liked the way that the restrictions of you know, not being able to like go to a store or even a thrift store. Like there were times where I would have really loved to go to a thrift store just to like get some piece of fabric that was cheap and could be, I could feel uh, not shy about cutting it up and trying to make something out of it. Cause you know, it was, it was, it barely, you know, it needed a second life and, you know, I don't know, it's like, it can be really hard to cut new fabric also buying new fabric just feels daunting to me, but, but then yeah, just sort of this like added constraint of, okay, well, what do I have already in my closet? Like I often, I love the way that um, you both style your clothes in terms of thinking about like the series that you've done where you've had like one item that you wear a bunch of different ways. Like Stella did one with like a green slip dress that's super cute. And Maseho did one with like a dark, I think it was a dark green, like knitted vest. And you both styled them in such cute ways that I was like, shit, I need to make those things right now (laughs) so that I can like, but it's just, you know, it's really sweet to think about the ways that you can work with stuff you already have in your own closets. And I so appreciate when people are using the things that they have and posting like repeat outfits. Like sometimes I get on the internet and I see people wearing a literal new outfit every single day on their Instagram feed or whatever it is. And I'm like, I, what, (laughs) how, why, like what? 
yes <laughs> I fully relate to that and I think that it's it's been nice to also grow in the confidence of being able to outfit repeat because I think coming onto the internet in that way um, it does make you feel a lot of pressure to wear new stuff all the time so that's been fun <laughs> yeah I love that yeah well I mean I've I'm so loving talking with you both and I'm just conscious <laughs> I'm conscious ugh. um I'm mindful that they we have you know, we're nearing an hour of time together. And I guess I want to wrap up. I know that we're all in like a weird state and I don't want to put anyone on the spot with like, well, what are you excited about right now? But if there was just like one thing, it could be something super tiny. Is there anything that you're really looking forward to in the near term future or something that something that's just really exciting you right now? I don't know if I have. <laughs> I was like, maybe I, I was going to yeah, be like, maybe go. I should That'll go first. Cool. I, feel, I feel excited about flowers and I have not had a lot of like creative energy to make physical things like knitting and sewing and stuff the things that I normally kind of turn to when I'm like oh how do I turn my brain off or like you know spend some time just sort of being with myself and uh lately I've been just really enjoying like sticking my nose into all the flowers on the street and then yesterday in in anticipation of the clothes off that I was hosting I like got a few stems from this local, there's like a little shop, like a couple blocks from my street that sells just flowers. And I got a few and I like arranged them myself. And like, this is the farthest thing from a professional arrangement, but I did my best. And I like, you know, looked at it and at first was all frustrated that it didn't look all professional. And then I was like, you know, I did that. I like had a creative act today. I I assembled flowers and I put them in a jar of water and they looked nice. (laughs) And that's what I'm excited about. (laughs) I love that. I love that. My mom is a big flower enthusiast and she always picks flowers from our garden and makes bouquets or bouquets for our house. It's like one of her favorite things to do. So I can see the joy that that brings her. And I love that. Imagining, imagining it in YouTube. You love that. That's so sweet. I'll say two things that I've been thinking about a lot recently that are smaller and then like one, I guess, bigger thing. I went on a run this evening and I, so I think I was thinking about all three, which is why they're on my mind. One, I... I'm excited for spring and I guess the summertime because I really want to do something a little bit more wild with my hair. Like I would <laughs> I just really want to cut it short again and dye it like a, a, a pastel color. And I've never dyed my hair before and I've always wanted to. Um, and I think I just want to take the leap and do it before I kind of think about it too much. So I'm excited about that. I also really want to take a solo trip um, before the year finishes because I've been wanting to like do a weekend or a few nights away by myself for a while and I think this year is just the right time to do it Um, and then I guess in the bigger picture I'm also looking forward to being done with my postgrad and entering the working world Uh, I think I've at some level reached my tether with academia and I'm just looking forward to being like a working person and not being so much like bound by um, like theory and just more being an active person in the world, even though I know that comes with a lot of disadvantages and like constraints in other ways. But yeah, that's what I'm excited about. Yeah, I totally, I uh, remember finishing out my, I mean, I only did an undergrad, but I remember finishing it out after I, I wrote a thesis and I was like, wow, I am ready to never use my brain this hard again. <laughs> I am ready to go be much less theoretical. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I've never like done a proper career or job 
search before so that's a new chapter of my life <laughs> yeah that's exciting that's all of that is super exciting I'm I am excited to see your hair when you dye it and cut it short <laughs> if you so choose obviously you can always change your mind but that would be that sounds very cool yeah I didn't know you were gonna go pastel <laughs> there's you know I I did that like I yes. but I shaved my head and then I like put it because then as I mean we have different textured hair but it, like going from like dark a dark color to like a very light color can be yes. quite damaging so like having short hair is easier but um that is that is exciting I love this <laughs> uh, I guess uh, what I am excited about is so like pretty soon I think this I currently I'm on contract um and uh my contract ends um, and was going to be renewed, but I decided against it at the end of July just because I've been struggling to, um, I guess, prioritize both, like, myself as well as, like, my um, – the post-grad that we're doing. It's just been, like, really difficult. And so um, I'm excited to be able to kind of get into the post-grad in a similar way to how Stella has been able to um and but also like giving up work means that I have more time to myself which I've like recently moved into a new space in our house which is kind of like a granny flat I guess or like it's connected to the house but it has its own like bathroom kitchen and um bedroom and so I'm like really excited about the like furnishing of it um and then it has a little garden outside that today I was like working on so I'm excited I guess also for spring and summer because that's when like most of the flowers will be out um and yeah I think I'm just really excited to come back to myself I feel like last year what was in some ways for me, um, I was like privileged enough to be able to uh, focus on myself um, and learn new things about myself and and like how to maintain joy and not be like, I mean, I say not be stressed, but I actually ended up getting like eczema because of my stress. <laughs> but, um, but I would like to uh, like, feel that like joy again in some ways and like be able to take time to like bake and stuff um and so I think I'm just really excited for that <laughs> yeah that sounds like some really beautiful nesting and like grounding yourself with the earth and like your your sense of place and and giving yourself some time which sounds really really good and really important I feel like we really culturally at least underestimate the the value of just sort of like having presence with yourself and time with yourself and of course like we mentioned it's some of this comes from a place of privilege but I'm so grateful when we get to experience it because it's really important really good for our health I'm just so happy that we got to talk today this was so so fun thank you both so much for being here with me today yeah this was so much fun and I really appreciated just being able to reflect on things with you and having somebody that's in a similar position or like thought space at the moment having that reflected back at us so thank you so much yeah thank you so much for holding that space for us I think it, like there's a lot of conversations that we 
like have been meaning to have with each other so like to be able to have them here as well and um has been really important thank you yay that makes me really happy that's like exactly what I want to do and yeah thank you both for being so willing to go into that topic I know it's big and scary to be in a liminal space but I I I want to say that you're not alone I very much feel there with you and I'm so glad we got to talk thanks y'all Thank you so much for listening to this episode. The Close Knit Podcast is hosted by me, Ani Lee. A huge thank you to Andrew Bruce for writing podcast theme music that makes me genuinely smile every time I hear it. And giant thanks to my amazing producer, Amelia Harubi. You can subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts and support the podcast on Patreon at patreon.com slash close knit.